Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is Adam Carricker on the ticket. Position right of the quarterback out of the shotgun. First and 20. Jail breaks screen in the air. It is tipped. It is intercepted by Carricker at the Missouri 21-yard line. Live from the heart of Lincoln, America, eight-year NFL vet and All-American defensive lineman Adam Carricker. Shotgun snap to Everett. He's got the left arm going, and now he's got a whole lot of Adam Carricker who ripped him down inside the 25-yard line. On 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com, here's your host, Adam Carricker. Welcome, everybody, to Adam Carricker on the ticket. And I don't know about you fine folks, but I've got a case of the Fridays. Now, what in the heck does that mean? That means I'm ready for the weekend. That means I'm ready for Husker football. I'm ready for Nebraska Northwestern. I'm ready for Nebraska volleyball, number one in the country, Wisconsin, coming into Lincoln to face our undefeated Nebraska Cornhuskers. Loaded day of Husker sports tomorrow on Saturday. Nebraska plays Northwestern on the gridiron. And then on the volleyball courts, number one in the country, Wisconsin versus number two, Nebraska Cornhuskers. It's going to be a fun show today, loaded show. Lots to talk about. The fastest hour in radio, the fastest two hours in radio every Monday and Friday. I'm live here on the ticket, noon to 1 p.m. Central Time. Every day and Thursday, the Big Ten Show, Character Chronicles. And on Wednesday, check out Steve Taylor's show. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to be joined here in a few minutes by Michael Severe. Then I'll be joined at 1230 by two-time national champion, former Husker, Mike Red Barron. Okay, we're going to talk a little Nebraska, a little Northwestern. And as always, okay, talk people's segment, the last 10 minutes of the show. I never know what people are going to ask, and I love that. It's unpredictable. All right, real quick, a couple of thoughts before I bring Michael on. All right, the football team is 3-3. Three and three. Now, did you know that this is – the third year in a row that Nebraska has been three and three at the halfway point. Okay. Now I predicted us to win and beat Northwestern earlier this week. If we do, we'll have a winning record for the first time since October 26th, 2019. Now there's been ups and downs this year. It's been a roller coaster ride, been some fun things to watch, some frustrating things to watch, but I thought this stat was pretty cool. Nebraska is one of only eight FBS teams to rank in the top 25 in both rushing offense and rush defense. The others are Air Force, Cincinnati, Kansas State, Oregon, Penn State, Tennessee, and UCLA. One of only eight teams to do so. So Matt Rule's trying to get back to running the football, playing smash mouth football. And he's also trying to get back to physical defense which we've done pretty good so far for the most part this year now michael's coming on here in about four minutes all right but before that here's a couple of interesting stats northwestern right they've obviously had a tumultuous offseason they're actually fun to watch if you just watch their effort and the energy that they play with they're playing well above their talent level well above how they should be playing although they did get outgained 
in their previous game by a non-FBS team, although they did win 23-20 to in a very close game. Their rush offense, okay, Northwestern has the statistically, easy for me to say, worst run offense in the Big Ten. I'm sorry, worst run defense and run offense, but I'll get to that. Worst rush offense in the Big Ten. I'm sorry, rush defense. Man, I'm struggling to read my own handwriting. I once got a C in handwriting in fifth grade. I had Mrs. LaSalle, great teacher, all A's and one C. She goes, Adam, because she she knew my dad was, you know, he expected A's and B's. She goes, Adam, I got to warn you, you got to see. And I was like, in what? She goes, in handwriting. You have to slow down. You go way too fast. You talk fast. I know that's going to surprise everybody here listening. You talk fast, you think fast, and you write fast, and it makes your handwriting hard to read. So let me attempt to read my own C at best level handwriting. Northwestern run defense-wise, okay, in the Big Ten, is the worst, giving up 172 yards per game. They also have the worst rush offense in the Big Ten, averaging 103 yards per game. And by comparison, Penn State, the top team in the Big Ten in rush offense, is averaging 100 yards per game more than that. And Nebraska is averaging just a smidge over 200 yards per game rushing as well. So Northwestern is not great at rushing the ball. They're not great at stopping the run. Nebraska, one of eight teams in the country, in the top 25 with the rushing offense, top 25 rushing defense. Okay, now, you know, both sides of the coin. Got to try to be objective here. Nebraska, statistically, also has the worst pass defense in the Big Ten as well. So, obviously, like I said earlier, pluses, minuses, good things, frustrating things. But here's the deal. Nebraska gets the win this Saturday. We're on our way to a bowl game, at least on track, on track, on track, to be clear. Okay, and we have our first winning record, all right, as non-exciting as this stat is, okay, since October 26, 2019, with a lot of winnable games coming up, as we know with Purdue, Michigan State, Iowa doesn't look unstoppable. Okay, Wisconsin, obviously good, but not great. Okay, man, that game was ugly to watch. If you watched Wisconsin and Iowa last uh, weekend, it was you had Oregon and Washington on one TV, if you're in my house, and you had Wisconsin and Iowa just on another planet offensively on another TV. But I digress. Okay. So Rico's going to give Michael a shout here shortly. But while we wait for that, you look at this game. And I did. I predicted Nebraska to win. I said by double digits. If you watched my Chronicles earlier this week, if you missed it, go back and check it out. But here's some other thoughts that I've had since I recorded that show offensively Nebraska's a little inconsistent as we know okay we're clearly a run the ball first team we're going to pass the ball about a third of the time just to keep you honest defensively now true freshman Malachi Coleman getting his first start I'm obviously we've had a bunch of injuries you know on offense we're well aware of that five to six guys who are projected starters before the season that are no longer on this roster, but I'm excited to see what Malachi can do. This guy's tall, fast, and athletic. He might just be that deep threat that we've been missing all year. Okay, he's got the ability with his speed, his size, his height to stretch a defense, something we have not had all year. And I'm sure he's going to continue to develop his entire game as a wide receiver going forward. But we've got Michael Severe on the line. I will come back to my thoughts as this show goes along. But I want to bring on the executive director of the Jet Award Foundation, former radio host and TV reporter, host of the Big Red Wrap-Up and Severe Reaction and the Let It Fly show, 
Mr. Michael Severe. How you doing, my friend? I'm good, Adam. How you been, man? Dude, I am glorious. This feels weird. I can't tell you how many times I've come on your show and you've interviewed <laughs> me. And so for the roles to be flipped is is weird, but I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. So I appreciate you joining me. And I want to dive right into to Heinrich Harburg, man. What have you seen from him so far this year? Have you been surprised? Has he met expectations? What are the pluses? What are the things he needs to work on? What have you seen from Heinrich Harburg so far this year? Well, I knew he was a great athlete based on watching him in high school. Uh, the couple times I had a chance to see him, I saw him one time in person. And I, I knew that he was a great athlete, so I knew he'd be able to do some things with his legs. Um, I, As a guy who studied quarterbacks for, for most of my life because I wanted to be one as a kid, uh, it frustrates the hell out of me, the things he does with his motion sometimes. I mean, it, it eliminates throws. He, he wants to be able to make downfield because he, he can't get his leg low enough. He can't get his body to the point where he can drop a ball in between defenders. So that's a little frustrating, but with all the injuries that have happened, the fact that they had no – idea they were going to run this kind of offense when you go back to August the fact that they are three and three and he's performed as well as he has is it's a tribute to both the head coach the officer coordinator and Heinrich Harburg that they can get this done this way all right so I'm joined on the aloe fiber VIP line by Michael Severe so my next my next question I've got for you is those offensive injuries because I think the the jury's still out on on the team as, as an entire whole. Obviously, year one, Matt Rule, we're only halfway yeah. into that year. You know, there's going to be development over time. But I think when it comes to the head coach and the two coordinators, I think there's probably the most amount of questions among the fans that I talk to about Marcus Satterfield. So talk yeah. to me about the job you think he's done so far this year. And like you said, incorporating the injuries, any X's and O's they've had to alter. Talk about your perspective on that. Well, it really is uh, incomplete because of not just the injuries, but – they really thought that Xavier Betts was going to give them a chance to have a big play receiver in this offense. They were, they were counting on him. And when he decided he didn't want to play football, that put a big hole in it. And then, you know, they knew that they had enough bodies to be able to get out there and perform. But now, you know, with Marcus Washington being gone and the amount of injuries they've had at running back, losing your top two running backs, I, I, I it's remarkable that they're even moving the ball, I think, because we know that they're not deep. They're not overly talented. Um, they're getting stuff done with, with Billy Kemp, who is a guy who is from seven to nine yards is, is, is a really good receiver for most of his career is what he's been. And then you've got a, a guy in Bullock who I don't think any of us thought was going to be a starter here at Nebraska when he got here, and he's performing the way he is, and some solid tight ends. I, it's, it's pretty amazing, I think. What, and I think Satterfield's got a long way to go to be a great offensive coordinator, but what he's doing right now, along with Matt Rule, managing this offense is, is admirable. I, I, I wouldn't be – if you told me that with the same thing that happened, the injuries, the defections, uh, all of that, and, and having a backup quarterback, if you told me they were 1-5 and five with that scenario, I wouldn't be shocked. The fact that they're 3-3 three and three is a tribute to everybody. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Now, talk to me about Malachi Coleman. Because yeah. I've said all year, we don't have a deep threat. We don't have someone who can consistently stretch a defense. So defenses can stack the box and not be too worried about getting beat over the top. Not consistently at all, anyways. Now, Malachi's a young guy. Okay, he's going to get his first start 
tall, fast, athletic, talented. We know all this stuff. Okay. You've studied him in high school. So yep. talk to me about what are some realistic expectations for this talented, true freshman in his first start here on Saturday. The first thing I tell you, when you see him on the field, like field level, looks like a tight end. He's, he's a big mm-hmm. guy. Uh, he's put together. And uh, all those things are true, what you said. Um, this is a guy who came in second um, at the All-Star game he went to. He raised, They raised everybody. And he was the second fastest person on All-Star game. So you know he's got speed. He's got great size. Um, the guy that I'm a little more intrigued with, and I, and I hope Malachi Coleman makes a bunch of plays, but Jalen Lloyd's kind of the guy I'm intrigued with because he fits into that that little window of tons of speed and inexperience that Matt Rule has made his bones with both at Temple and Baylor. He's had guys like that who didn't play a ton of high school football. He was more of a track guy, but have blinding speed. And I think that's a guy who running nine routes and, and running some trick plays they could do, I think could really make some big plays. But overall, between Malachi Coleman and Jalen Lloyd and maybe eventually Jaden Doss, with their speed and their athleticism, I think this young wide receiver core can be really good. It's just going to take a while. You know, man, freshman wide receiver, all the responsibilities, all the blocking, you know, deciding what you're going to run, especially with a lot of these switch routes, it's not easy. They're learning a ton of stuff on the fly. And as Matt Rule said yesterday, none of these guys came in the spring. They all came in the summer. So they're all learning, you know, basically learning this whole offense. So I, I think he's got a chance, Malachi Coleman does, against the secondary of Northwestern because of the way they play, to get some catches and then be able to break some tackles. That's what I hope we see tomorrow. Yeah, so it's a great point because Matt Rule talked about Jalen Lloyd getting some more reps. And yeah. Rule's made no bones about it. You know, he, he cares about recruiting rankings, kind of. He more or less looks for big, athletic, fast guys that he can develop and coach up, and that's exactly what Jalen Lloyd falls in to that category. And I can't help but wonder if maybe there's a certain amount of plays that they rep with Malachi and a certain amount of plays that they give to Jalen so they can utilize their talents because Billy's probably going to be on the field most of the time. But it lessens the amount of the playbook that they have to know so you can let them capitalize on playing fast and not having to know as much right off the bat. All right, next yeah. next topic, yeah. offensive ahead, line. Yeah, talk to me about the offensive line because a year ago they were beat up pretty good, you know, uh, about their play, lack of play, however you want to phrase it. What have you seen from them so far this year? What are they doing better? What do they need to continue to improve at the most? I still believe that some of the guys are out of position, and I think they'd be better if they could play other positions, but there's no bodies to fill in for them. I think Bryce Binhart's come a long way. Um, if you watch, mm-hmm. and we all did watch Bryce Binhart struggle for two years, um, he's a much better player right now. Actually, out of everybody in terms of PFF, he's really the highest-graded guy. It'd be him and Ben Scott, by the way they played, and then it'd be Newelli. And then you have Piper and some of his issues, and then you have Corcoran, who I think is out of position. They're at left tackle. The best thing that could happen in Nebraska would be a healthy and ready-to-go Teddy Prochaska playing at left tackle. Then you could move Corcoran in. Maybe he splits time with Piper. And then you have Newelli and Ben Hart and Ben Scott. I think they could be actually a pretty good offensive line. But in, in the bottom line is the whole thing, and, and you know this is a defensive lineman, um, you can be strong and you can be quick and you can be all these things, but technique is everything with an offensive lineman. And sometimes when you watch these guys, it's like they have very good technique. And because of that, they get beaten, and because of that, Hiring Carberg, and before that, Sims had a lot of pressure on them, and they've got to get a lot better offensive line. That means going out and recruiting and going into the portal, which is hard to do because it's the hardest position to get out of the portal, especially offensive tackle. And they're, if they want to be improved next year, that's that's one that's probably the biggest spot. That and whoever plays quarterback next year in out of the portal and in, in terms of recruiting and development that they have to get done. 
You make a great point because Bryce Ben Hart got a ton of heat last year and he has yep. played vastly better this year. But it's kind of like, you know, the long snapper. Nobody knows the long snapper's name until he makes a mistake. It's like Ben Hart's sure. name is never brought up, which I guess is a good thing because he's playing better. But in fairness, we should show him some love for the improvement in his play. You make a phenomenal point with Bryce Ben Hart. He's playing significantly better. He's a guy that I actually thought could benefit from going to guard at some point but you make a great point if Prohaska is healthy and he can stay healthy and jump in at left tackle and then Corcoran can move to his appropriate position at guard it could be a vastly improved line so I'm hoping we see a little bit more Teddy Prohaska as well all right Harburg's a starting quarterback going forward Sims is ready if we need him those are the words of Matt Rule talk to me about your thoughts on Jeff Sims as far as because I've just thrown this out there I don't want to keep throwing it out there forever but I want to ask your opinion okay Jeff Sims remaining in that quarterback spot as a backup, ready to go if we need him, or trying to use him in other spots on the offense. What are your thoughts on the potential of using Jeff Sims just in various spots in certain situations at other positions? It's always hard, man, when you talk about quarterback because, you know, there's QB1. There's only one of those guys, right? There's only one guy. Every other position, there's multiple guys. And so you have to not only worry about a guy's ability, but his confidence as well. And so when you bring in other quarterbacks, whether it is in a trick situation or to have them on the field, that can affect the quarterback's confidence. It can affect the team, too, because you have divides on, you know, half a team is for this guy and half a team is for the other guy. So I, I don't believe that that Jeff Simmons can go out and just play wide receiver or just go out and play running back because the man's been a quarterback his whole life. It's what he knows. It's what he does. So I don't think you can do that. Now, do I believe you give him a series? I think so. But again, it's the confidence. Does that, that, that if, if he goes in and he plays well, and then Heinrich Harburg goes in and doesn't play well in the next series, all of a sudden the fans are booing and what's Heinrich Harburg's confidence like? So I like it the way it is. I, I leave Harburg in. He plays. If he gets hurt or has got to come out, Jeff Simmons goes in and does his job. But I, I wouldn't have those guys on the field at the same time. And I, I probably would even have a rotation because I don't, I don't want to affect Harburg. I don't want to affect the team right now. All right, so talk to me about the defensive side of the ball. The defensive line yeah. coming into the season was probably the biggest question mark we had on the defensive side of the ball just due to lack of experience. Ty Robinson has a bunch. Not a lot of other guys had a ton. We know Nash Hutmaker has a lot of potential. He's played well so far this year. The D-line, Cam Lenhart, freshman steps up. The D-line was probably the biggest question mark on defense, but I feel like they played really well so far this year. Give me your thoughts on why you think that might be. I think part of it's coaching. I think having a guy who played at a high level, who really knows the game well, and if you go down to practice and you stand around, um, Potrose, just for some reason, it's interesting. He has this relationship with those guys where he like he kind of messes with them while they're going through their drills and like he'll point out the cameras on them and, hey make sure you look good here because your mom might see this he just got he's a really good <laughs> players coach i mean that's a big part of it and you know what i don't want to say lucky but they got lucky with these guys who they brought in raleigh van poppel is a, is a stud uh cam lenhart's gonna be a stud prince william and yellen is a stud they brought in good guys and so that's why they're playing so well I know you weren't a huge fan of the three-three-five, and I know there's times where I've looked at it in the Big Ten and been worried, but the biggest thing that's impressed me is that with a limited amount of big bodies, they've still been very good against the run, which I didn't know they could do. I even asked Rule about that when I had a chance to interview him for Big Red Wrap-Up. I didn't know if they could do it, and they have. It's, it's been the biggest surprise for me is that they've played the run as well as they have without a whole bunch of big bodies on that defensive line. Why do you think they've been able to play the run so well? Because... 
we're one of one of the top defenses in the country when it comes to stopping the run, yet we're last statistically in the Big Ten when it comes to playing the pass. Why do you think when you got more speed on the field, we struggle versus the pass, but we're actually better mm-hmm. against the run with, like you said, not as many big bodies on the field? Well, I think that the stat why they're so low against the pass is because you got teams that are passing at a 68% clip. So 68% of the plays they're calling are pass plays because they can't run against Nebraska. So if, if you can't run and you got to throw, you're going to give up more numbers. And so statistically that'll happen. But I think the reason why they're so good, and, and you know this about defense, yeah, you can talk a lot about, I was talking about technique, you know, and, and, and technique on offensive line. It's about will, right? It's about want to. And they have got those guys convinced it doesn't matter if it's Phelan Sanford coming in, if it's Kobe Brett's coming in in the secondary for somebody. It doesn't matter who it is. When they come in, they believe that they're the best person at that position. And because of that want to and the tackling in open space, I think that's why they've been so good. And also, you know, you, you got guys in better shape. Um, you had a couple guys on that defensive line who last year weren't in the best shape. I don't think Hutmacher was in the best shape he could have been in. He is now. Uh, I think Ty Robinson may have looked great, but I don't know if his wind was great. It's better now. I think those are the, the key things. The guys that want to do it, they're, they're playing harder, they're tackling better, and, and the coaching is a big part of it. All right, so you're the executive director of the Jet Award Foundation, and you help raise yes, money for scholarships for students attending Metro Community College majoring in trade, and you give out the Jet Award, okay, to the most outstanding return specialist each year. Now, if people want to help contribute to your mission and raise money for the scholarship fund, how can they go about doing that? couple different ways. We have a website like everybody does, jetaward.com it's called, and there's a donation page there. Also, we have a gala every year. This year it's April 4th, 2000. Well, next year it's April 4th, 2024. And, you know, people can buy tickets and they can come to that and, and have a great time. It's at Baxter Arena here with a thousand people. Last year it's great. And, and when I always tell people one of the best ways you can help us is that if you know a kid who is, you know, great with their hands, want to get in the trades, um, don't necessarily want to go to a four-year college, Tell them to apply for the Johnny Rogers Career and Technical Scholarship. You know, we, we need more people applying for it. We, we raise the money. We want kids to be able to go to school and not have any debt. We play books, fees, and tuition. We don't want you coming out with debt. And so that's a big thing you can do if you're out there and you see somebody and know somebody who wants to get in the trades. Tell them to apply for our scholarship. And, of course, if, if you want to donate a few dollars as well, that's great because we, every single one of the dollars that we can um, go to putting those scholarships at Metro and making sure that those kids can go to school and come out debt-free and have a great job as well. All right. I want to thank Michael for joining me. And, ladies and gentlemen, don't forget to check him out every Tuesday night on Big Red Wrap-Up as well as Severe Reaction and the Let It Fly show. All right, Michael, thank you for joining me, my friend. No problem. Thanks, Adam, man. Good talking to you. All right. Don't go anywhere, ladies and gentlemen. We'll be right back.